Would you all pray with me? Almighty God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the companion, the advocate, may the words of our mouths this morning and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Over the course of the past two years, we have learned a lot about one another. It was just about now, two years ago, that I sent a video of introduction to Pastor Ed. A video many of you watched, and the goal of that video was to introduce me to you before my arrival here at Mount Olivet back in July of 2017. In that video, you learned my favorite color, you learned my favorite food, and you learned that my son Camden, now five and a half years old, is my favorite theologian. Had you seen the unedited version that I accidentally sent to Ed, you would have learned even more about me. So here's a pro tip for the week. Double check your email attachments. Since arriving here at Mount Olivet, we've learned even more about one another. Through preaching, it seems that you are learning more and more about my personality, maybe too much about my family, and you're also learning where I feel the Holy Spirit's presence and where I feel the Holy Spirit is leading us. Through preaching, I've learned a lot about you all as well. I've learned what you collectively consider to be a bad or unsuccessful sermon. Those sermons typically tend to be too long, dragging on, making worship more like a hostage situation and less than a celebration of Christ's abounding mercy and grace. So today, you're going to learn a little bit more about me. Are you ready? I love watching Naked and Afraid. If you have not seen Naked and Afraid, treat yourself this week. In case you've not had the opportunity to watch this gem of reality TV, here is a short synopsis of the show. Two strangers, one female and one male, strip down to their birthday suits and try to survive 21 days in a remote, uninhabitable location with only a fire starter and a survival tool of their choosing. Now, to why I love this show. You see, I am an Eagle Scout. I have been trained to survive in each of the situations presented on this show. Every time I watch two naked people trying to start a fire with a flint and steel in the middle of a driving rainstorm, I know, I know deep down in my soul that not only could I survive, I would thrive. I know I would thrive because one-match fires are in my DNA thanks to hundreds of camping trips and weeks upon weeks of Boy Scout summer camp. As Eastertide comes to an end, this morning we find ourselves not in a post-resurrection encounter between the disciples and Jesus, but instead we are back in a section of John's Gospel commonly referred to by theologians as the Farewell Discourse. Between chapters 14 and concluding 
over in chapter 17, Jesus is preparing the disciples for what is about to happen. The following day is Good Friday. These texts are typically read and studied during Holy Week and reserved for the stations of the cross. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. That was John chapter 14, just prior to our reading this morning. Jesus was about to be betrayed. He was about to be arrested and tortured and killed. As far as the disciples knew, Jesus was about to leave for good. No one had been resurrected before this moment. So Jesus talking about his pending return could have been a bridge too far for some of the disciples. But as usual, the the disciples have questions for Christ about what was about to happen. Jesus had been traveling and teaching with the disciples for three years. That's over a thousand days of ministry, healing, parables, signs, miracles, and questions receiving vague answers. As Jesus is planning to leave and tells the disciples he will be revealed to those who follow and keep his commands, Jesus told his disciples that he would be revealed to those who love him. As was the case with much of his teachings, after Jesus finished speaking, or more often than not, he was interrupted with a question coming from the disciple peanut gallery. Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not the world? Judas asked. And Jesus' response is where we pick up with our scripture reading this morning. Those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of what I have said to you. The Companion, the Advocate of God, the Holy Spirit, will be sent to those who love Christ and keep his commands, who follow his words Keeping and following commandments, though, sounds a lot like law to me. Achieving salvation through our own works. But as St. Matthew reminds us, Jesus Christ came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. If Jesus fulfilled the law through his faithfulness, how and why does our faithfulness to his word, what we create as law, matter? If Christ fulfilled it, what else is there for us to do? Just before Jesus began his farewell, he gathered at a table in an upper room to celebrate the Passover festival with his disciples. And since Jesus is responding to a question from Judas about something he had just said while they sat around the table with one another, We cannot assume which commands, which words Jesus is talking about keeping. We can't look back 9, 10, or 12 chapters and assume to what Christ is talking about. When we assume what commands the commands of Jesus are, without looking at what the gospel writer tells us, Jesus said we end up creating more law. 
And more often than not, that law is assumed. An assumed law has more to do with counting who's in and who's out and less to do with experiencing the abounding grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Back in chapter 13, this is what Jesus said as they sat around the table. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than the master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. Very truly, I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives him receives the one who sent me. Jesus told the disciples to gather around his table of grace, and in doing so, and by eating bread and sharing a cup and doing all of that in remembrance of him, he told them to serve and receive him, serve one another, and by serving one another, receive him. Christ's table of grace is open to all people. Remember, the one who would betray him with a kiss and the one who would de- deny him were welcomed at that table. And to continue to follow the commands and words of Jesus means to love him. It means we continue today to gather around his table, eating bread and sharing a cup, knowing that in doing so, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Advocate, the Companion will be sent with us. The bottom line is we were never expected to do any of this by ourselves. We are not on our own. The premise of naked and afraid is to find out whether or not when someone is at their most vulnerable, can they survive? With the bare minimum, can a team of two naked people thrive? It's great reality television, but what draws many to the show, I suspect, is that many of us expect our day-to-day lives to be like this. We feel exposed before the world, and thriving is off the table because we feel like we're just trying to survive. We may keep our trousers on, but we feel exposed, we think, at our most vulnerable before the world And we try to go at it alone. Even Christ, the Son of God, didn't work alone. Jesus traveled with a group of disciples, but we also read in the scriptures that the one who sent him and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Advocate, the Companion, were and are with him. They, God, our Creator, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. My friend and mentor put it this way. The Holy Spirit's proper work never goes anywhere without Christ. And the Spirit does nothing apart from the resurrecting of Christ and dead sinners. The Spirit does not moonlight in any other job but to drive everything in all creation to Christ. We are not supposed to be doing this church thing on our own. Our lives of faith are something Jesus never expected us to do by ourselves. The Holy Spirit was given to the disciples long before Pentecost, the day we like to think the Holy Spirit first descended upon creation. We read in John 22 that he, Jesus, breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was a scene that happened just after the resurrection. This was the scene just before Thomas became the doubter. We are a community of disciples, and no one, and I mean no one, is expected to grow, learn, or minister by themselves. 
Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit will and is working in and through us. The Holy Spirit is working for you. The Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is revealing Christ in our midst and continuing to reveal the teachings of Jesus. As we figure this out, the churchy phrase for that is discerning God's word, God's will. We don't have to feel naked. We can keep our trousers on. We're not afraid and we don't have to be alone. The point of all of this is not merely survival, but instead we are invited to thrive because the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the companion has been sent and is present among us now. The Holy Spirit is revealing Christ's presence and teachings to us. And my friends, the assurance and sending of God's advocate, the companion, the Holy Spirit, that is grace in its fullest, grace upon grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.